welcome to another episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Hello. Hello, Broads. What's going on? Oh, not much. We just had our... Well, let's just start out by saying a big thank you for everyone's feedback for the past couple of episodes. Yes. Oh, my goodness. So much warmth and love. Well, and they've been more raw and vulnerable, I think, than we've a lot more so than in the past. Yeah, they were a little more serious, a little more vulnerable. And we, to be honest, we weren't 100% sure if you all were going to enjoy it or if you're going to be like, bring on the funny. <laughs> this is boring. Bring back the recaps. <laughs> yeah, no. Shut up. <laughs> but we're going to be diving into more of that this week. I think a little more yeah. um, honest talk, but don't worry. The Bachelorette's coming very soon in a month or so, and we'll yes. get back to the silliness. But in the meantime, soak up the... The realness. The, realness. the real broads. Um, yeah. yeah, so thank you so much for everyone who participated in Release It Wednesday uh, for the like vulnerable videos and photos that you all posted, the DMs that you sent to us if you didn't feel comfortable posting, that you sending those to us seriously meant so much. And yeah. I was telling Becca, I'm like, very cool. Uh, round two, where I'm crying all week because I'm so touched by all these, um, yes. just such an amazing community. So thank you. Thank you guys for participating yeah. and always giving us your feedback. I think that's the best part. I love after we post an episode and going to check out the comments and seeing what everybody has to say. Yeah, me um, too. I like, I'll, I dive into the DMs the day after I have yeah. so much fun with episodes like that and just feeling like we all can relate to each other on so mm-hmm. many different levels in different ways and i love hearing everyone's different opinions too yep. and yeah it's yep. great good so, stuff good stuff appreciate you much mm-hmm. um oh also i oh. haven't told becca about this okay. i got a lot of dms which i, I you all are the best. I don't have to do any research myself. I get everything sent. <laughs> it makes it so easy. But apparently on Nick Vial's latest podcast episode with Tasha, um, he brought up mine and Evan's relationship. Oh. Yeah. Um, and literally you how how like in what context okay so i literally i was getting messages from people that were like 46 minutes like give me the exact time and i'm like god bless all of you okay so apparently they were talking about um you know because she has been divorced and she married the first person that and they slept together for the first time whatever first love type of stuff um and so but he then made mention and he goes you know i met someone the other day though who um I met someone the other day who married her first love. They went to high school together and, uh, but she realizes how fortunate it was because they grew together and he did this whole thing that was, it was very clearly the exact conversation that we had had. Well, that's very sweet. Very sweet, but also (laughs) no shout out (laughs) again. Can't say chatty frauds. And I was like, I'm going to hunt you down and put my name in your mouth. Which, by the way, guys, don't don't keep uh, no. attacking him because he did no. text me and said that we had an open invite to come on the podcast. Yes. Uh, um, even though we so appreciate your guys' defense. It's yes. my favorite thing. Yes. Um, I'm just joking. Hashtag I was, broad squad. Hashtag broad squad. Hashtag military so, broads. So strong. So strong. Um, but no, I was. I'm just joking. I did appreciate him remembering the conversation. Maybe he just genuinely didn't remember who said it. I don't think he remembered my name, most likely. Oh, So maybe he... Yeah, um, that makes sense. You know, and then he might have looked silly being like, I was on... Or I talked to 
one of the chatty broads and that yeah. would make it maybe seem whatever. Yes, yes, so, yes, yes. Anyways, we got a mini shout out on his podcast and yes, he did invite, he did send us a text to invite us on. So hopefully that will happen. Um, we really want to have a conversation with him on his podcast yep, 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 and yep. get real. Yep. Because let's I want to, I want to make up, I want to make up for our podcast with him. Yeah, I do too. I want to be straight about some stuff. Jess is Jess is ready. She got steamrolled over enough times during that episode where she's ready to fucking take over. His... Yeah, I'm fantasizing about it. I'm excited. Great. Yeah. I hope that happens. It will. What if he only gives me an invite? I feel like he might might do that. I could see him doing that. Should I be like, we're a team, please? Just I be will. like, listen, she Only comes with me come. everywhere. She sleeps in bed with me. She sucks on my other tit when Ruthie's <laughs> nursing. <laughs> it's all part of the game. It's a very codependent relationship. It's not healthy it's at all. It's very unhealthy. <laughs> and speaking of relationships, I'm super excited for today's podcast. Yes. The best thing about having a podcast is that we can virtually bring on whoever we want. Yes, so, I So, and sometimes it's very impromptu. And right now, Grayson has two of his dearest friends from college, a fellow Lewis and Clark alumni. Yes. And uh, today we have on the very lovely Zena. Zena. Yeah, get your mouth all up in that yeah, right microphone. I want to okay. hear every word you have to say. You can pull it back <laughs> if you want. It's a little more comfortable. Okay, yeah, no. um, but like Zena, the warrior princess. Is, that is me. That's oh, I the love that I so that. much. I was a huge Zena fan It's a great up. show. How could you not be? It's so good. <laughs> yeah. You you're you're not. Oh, you're is your good. headphone loud? Maybe no. I just I'm not used to it. Oh yeah, no. Just get in real close. Just to no, you're real good. Close. You're Make good. sure you can hear yourself as loud as you can hear us. Okay, I think I can. Okay, I, th- I hear myself quite loudly. Good. <laughs> okay, good. Good. Um, so I thought it'd be interesting to have Zena on. I kind of pressured her into it this morning, so she's Thank really so getting thrown into it. She's like, I don't know what your podcast is about, and I don't know what I'm getting myself into. But I love it so far. <laughs> We're just gonna have a really honest conversation about. Um, well. I actually know, to be honest, I know very little, but besides what Zena has told me kind of in passing, but her mom and sister are both sex educators and, uh, adult, tell us, just tell us a little about your background, how you were raised, um, all that kind of stuff. Cause I think we're going to have a conversation today about sex, about how do you talk about the subject all you know uh, just uh, all th- just se- we're gonna have a sexy yes. episode we're gonna talk yeah. about sexy sex i'm super excited so yes, if so you're please. raised in my household sex was like always conversation but never sexy like it was never a sexy conversation okay it was all very like mechanical yeah so my mom is a midwife um she's a, a women's yes. health practitioner and a midwife yes. and so like David, um, my husband and our friend, the first time he came over and met my mom, she had just gone off of a shift, just finished delivering a baby, and immediately launched into cervix dilation. Um, and Dave made like a skeptical face, and she started to show him with her hands, like about how dilated a cervix would be <gasps> oh, at the time. Oh, and Dave God. is like, you know, eighteen <laughs> year old boy, like dying in the back, just like <gasps> turning paler and paler as my mom's like. And then you know there was like a little bit of tearing, nothing more than a couple <laughs> millimeters. He's but, just you know, like, like what tear? He's just like, 
It's the most. Yeah, so that's my mom. Well, we're all about it, by the way. We had a whole episode about unmedicated birth, as that's yes. what we both did. I, you know, had yeah. my birth at a birth center, and we're, yeah, we're all about it. Yeah, about the, like, all-natural style baby birthing. Yeah, hell yeah. Um, yeah, so that's what I grew up with. Um, she became a midwife when I was four, so she would read me uh, her midwifery textbooks to wow. sleep. That was, like, my, my nighttime reading. Yeah. Um, it was, like, a lot about pharmaceuticals um, or... Yeah, a lot about birth control and... Did you see a birth as a child? And did you, did you see any... Did, were you with her for any births? I didn't watch any of the births. No, I went with her to the center often. So I was usually there oh, cool. like during the day when women would come in. Um, and I would play with their babies if they were smaller than yeah. me. Or just like talk to them about you know like what's in their belly. And, yeah. Um, all the technical parts of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then my sister. You're like, were you excited for your cervix to die? <laughs> yeah. I can tell you all about exactly. that. Like, Do you enjoy fact, your labia minor or minor more? <laughs> um, yeah. No, I was a real awkward kid. Um, and then my sister, I think it was just like kind of inspired by the amount of sex ed in my household. So like mm. when, I tur- when I got my period, um, I got like books about, you know, your body is growing in puberty. But my sister also took me to buy a dildo. Oh, um, wow. Like at what age? I was 14. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we went shopping for a dildo, um, which, like, again, I, I, it wasn't sexy, right? It wasn't like a... Were you embarrassed by 100%, that? A hundred percent. A million thousand times percent. And I was like, I don't even... Like, I know what this penis is, but why do I want one? Right. Like, you know, like, I was like, why do I want a plastic dick? Why don't get this? Um, <laughs> do I want this? Yeah, like, exactly. Do I have Like, to? does the vibrating... Is that scary? Like, yeah. I don't get it. Totally. Um, it's probably like how for a lot of girls, it's like buying tampons for the first time with their mom. It's kind of like this... Thing, you don't really understand you right. have to do it totally but with the dildo but with a dildo yeah we'd already done the tampon combo yeah yeah, yeah. and um, You're like, we talked s- about that when i was four actually <laughs> we had like sponges um so like that was like my entryway into wow. uh menstrual producting was um, i mean i'm all about menstrual cups so. yeah so this was like before menstrual cups were like at all trendable um there was like you could go to the all natural like a co-op store yeah. and get the like really thick big ones um or you could get sea sponges which is what we used wow um, and where did you grow up i grew up in milwaukee wisconsin yeah i grew up in the middle and the heart of the midwest so it's not even like you're growing up no, in like san francisco yeah, or like no Portland, like <laughs> wow yeah um i went to all like i went to catholic school for my whole life so if you can imagine we were like kind of the weird family uh, for a number of so reasons so what's oh. what's your family's background like how did it get to how did your family get to be the way that they are like my specific well so i got i mean i had like a tribe of women right like okay. my brother's 10 years older than me so by the time i was seven he was out of the house okay. my dad wasn't really around so it was like me my sister and my mom well for, yeah well i guess where was your mom coming from yeah like, so my mom's from her upbringing rural wisconsin and uh, she's from janesville and she was raised Seventh-day Adventist. Um, she went through boarding school for Seventh-day Adventism. And then she kind of escaped. Um, so she left her house. She went and was the first person in her family to get a, a degree. She went to become a nurse. Wow. Um, ran away to Chicago, lived with a friend's parents. Um, wow. Did, like, home care at night and then nursing during the day. Um, but she's always been really interested in women's health. And I think in particular... Uh, the lack of attention that's paid to women's health um, and making sure that women feel supported, especially mothers, that they feel um, 
like that they have agency, that they feel heard. Mm-hmm. Um, she works now, or for the past like 20 years, she's worked primarily with low-income communities in, in the city of Milwaukee. Um, and she extends the amount of time that she sees the patients. Like, oh, she gives extra time. She comes in when she's not on call to deliver their babies. Wow. She stays in touch with their children afterwards, which her feeling is like, but she starts all of them being like, you have every reason not to trust me. You have every reason not to trust this system. But like, we're going to figure out how to do this for you. Wow. So that was kind of just like her style. Um, and I think a lot of it was that she didn't feel that in the church. Yeah. Mm. And her family was really, really deep within the Seventh-day Adventist religion. Um, so there's like lots of health stuff that goes with it. So yes. she's like, you know, she got introed in. We were raised vegetarian for most of my childhood. All natural product, all like no growth hormones and any of that. Kind of sounds like your mom might be just like a little bit of rebel against the status quo too. Exactly. So maybe she just goes out of her way to do things differently because she likes to do things differently. I think so. And I think it just turns out that there's a lot of ways in our society where we do stuff badly, especially for women or people who are identifying as women. And and so I think it just, by by being a rebel in the medical industry, it just means that you like care about women, (laughs) which is a little depressing. But yes, when, um, yeah, we had a very open household uh, around all things. We didn't really have rules. Um, the biggest like thing that you could do would be like to disappoint my mother, and that'd be like oh. to not claim your agency in a space or to like not fight um, something that was unjust. Or wow, uh, wow! Oh, my yeah. Libra-ness is just so turned on right now. <laughs> I'm just like God. <laughs> Justice system. <laughs> Again, the suburban Catholic school parents did not love my mom oh, or as, an, as a model that. or example. Yeah. Wow. Um, she was the one who was like giving kids birth control or like talking wow. them through like their first abortions or wow. like she was the one who would like people would call a lot of my friends, a lot of my sister's friends, a lot of my brother's friends. Still She's call. like pull, pulling the friends behind the school building and be like, what is that woman doing? And she's just like, listen, practice safe sex. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta tell you about I know your parents are going to talk to you about it. Exactly. Like we need to understand what's happening. Um, And then, yeah, my sister went on to work for Planned Parenthood for a number of years. And and there she did youth sexual health education Mm -hmm. and specifically around STIs and STDs. Mm -hmm. Um, She was really obsessed with syphilis um, when we were younger. She thought it was like a really fascinating disease. She had like like t-shirts that said like got syphilis and did like a lunchbox oh, like, a picture of like a syphilis God. vaccination like it's weird like I, she just thought it was fascinating that there was like this disease that if you didn't catch it soon enough like your face would start to fall apart which is what happens in tertiary stage uh, syphilis which i have known for way too long <laughs> i didn't know that i do yeah. not um, i don't i don't look up tertiary stage syphilis it's i mean like do it on a full stomach or whatever but like it's like your um the tissue in your uh body starts to erode so like this you'll is see a people psa like, go get tested yeah. right now for syphilis. Yes, also but please. yes because syphilis is coming back again things i only they know have, because of my family they have billboards syphilis in la back? that say syphilis tsunami syphilis yeah, a is cartoon. back in There's... like a serious way like the cdc is like freaking out like all what? of these stds are on the rise right now and what i think it's because world? people are getting crazy with their condomies it's like a definitely a thing of yes. like we just don't use condoms. I'm guilty of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely. I think people, people are just are. like we're just we're over condoms, so <laughs> we're just not doing them. They anymore. don't feel good. But like, like, yes, now you're having multiple partners, and like, there's more of a freedom in sexuality, which is great, or an openness, an openness. But you still gotta practice safe sex well and a lot of it i mean so like i i like spend way too much time talking about this like pathway and this this trajectory of it right there's a lot of people who are um 
coming out of the prison system where we don't have regular safeguarding and we have a lot of um, sex-based violence wow. against people. Um, so the the theory, at least in Wisconsin, is that like somebody was in prison with an older person and there was a sexual interaction and then the younger person was released not knowing because syphilis doesn't really show up. So like you should definitely oh know those circ- like the first, second, and third stage of syphilis, like how you can see them. I won't like say it's pretty graphic, so I won't go into it okay. on your podcast. But yes, yeah, so like I mean, it's it's not just I don't think like promiscuity or a lack of condom use. It's also that we just like don't even know to think about it. It's like we don't think about measles until it's like there's a measles outbreak. Like we don't know what to look for with syphilis. So your sister was obsessed with syphilis that ended up working in, in Planned Parenthood <laughs> and then going into, uh, yeah, so like she, like a couple years ago, she did the like sex ed talk, the syphilis talk actually uh-huh. that I just did basically yeah. at my niece's high school. Oh my goodness. <laughs> my niece was like so upset. <laughs> your niece was just like, please God, no. She's like hiding was, in the like, corner. She was like, like really it's not <laughs> really upset I don't know it. her. No, totally. I'm not related to her at all, I promise. Well, well, like we have like our last names like kind of um kind of unique enough that people were like oh no you're definitely related that's definitely what happened your aunt's on stage like talking about syphilis and old your men dicks, screaming like, syphilis yes, showing pictures of syphilis and her like lunchbox oh um, my god yeah so now um now she is doing actually a special grant with um the boys and girls club and the cdc around like communication with young people about safe sex cool but her and my mom do um adult sex at night so they go into bars um there's some like really embarrassing videos for me really embarrassing videos and photos where like i'm so proud of them in a way but i'm also like watching my sister hold on stage at a bar like a giant printout of a vagina with like my mom sitting off to the side like pointing at me like this is the lady like talking (laughs) through it incredible yeah so they go around to (laughs) Different bars in the community, and they do adult sex ed. Um, and lots of people turn out. Sometimes they do, like, trivia or uh, games around it. And oh they just, like, God. talk about a certain issue. It's great. Um, I think last the most recent one was about, like, dental damn use and how to, like, make sure you're having safe oral sex. Yeah. No matter who you're having That's it so with. important, too. Um, huh? That's, I feel like, not, yeah. Wait, so what city and then what's it called? Because maybe some <laughs> of our listeners can, go, like, seriously. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's Milwaukee. adult sex ed. Milwaukee yeah. adult sex ed. I'm, I'm gonna have to go visit Wisconsin because I want to go to a safe sex trivia night <laughs> yeah, fuck at a yeah. bar. Yeah. Are you kidding me? No, they, she does a lot of really cool um, safe sex oriented spaces. Yeah, um, get a, get one of those blowjob shots. Is that what they're called? A blow- what? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that like, part what of what it. are those shots? Those shots that you you uh, oh, oh, you put alcoholic. the whipped cream on and then you like put your hands behind your back and everyone's like oh my staring God. at all the hot girls doing the blowjob shots on the yeah and then. Get a blowjob oh. shot and then watch the safe sex. Great. Yeah. I'm just thinking about like um we do a lot of like ski shots. Um okay, where like you yeah, have like yeah. multiple shots on a ski and like multiple yes. people do it at one time and I'm just combining the two in my head right now. Just, like a, a, blow, just like a lineup a line of a bunch of blowjob shots. Men and women just doing blowjob <laughs> shots. Just like, this is America. <laughs> This is Milwaukee. Milwaukee is pretty rad, so love it. Sounds amazing. (laughs) So that gives some that gives us a clue into your background. I want to dive into more what you're doing now. First, we got a little take a little break. Um, so syphilis is not fabulous, (laughs) but do you know what is fabulous? What fab fit fun? 
time to keep the lights on. Yes. Uh, Fat Fun is our amazing seasonal subscription box with full-size beauty, fitness, fashion, and lifestyle products. This box always has the best products from brands like Dr. Brandt, Tarte, Michael Stars, expensive high-end products. Your box costs $49.99, but also always has a value of over $200. Yes, and Jess and I both have matching ceramic trays on our coffee oh, tables now. Is, oh, they're Mine's so right here. cute. Yes, they're adorable. Got it from the box. Um, love that some of the items are customizable too. Right, I, I have to say, when it comes to my box, I appreciate having a say. Okay, mm-hmm. speaking of mm-hmm. our topic today. So I appreciate <laughs> FabFitFun. Um, honestly, one of my favorite feelings is when I see that Fab box on my front porch and now my child is obsessed, so she gets so mad if I don't open it without her. So now I'm obligated to opening my triple F box. Yes, of course. Yes, of course. And tell her to keep her grimy little hands off your yeah, stuff. This is mine. <laughs> I might have given birth to you, but you cannot own a piece of this. Well, you don't want to miss out on this latest box, and they sell it quickly, so go to fabfitfun.com and use the code CHATTY so you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the code CHATTY. Okay, so so we know your background a little bit. Um, Becca and I have talked about this. We were both raised um, very conservative. Uh, my mom was open uh, to talk about sex once I was of a certain age. Mm-hmm. But I want to know when you all got, like, the official sex talk. Well, um, I definitely d- I got the official sex talk fairly early on. My mom had a book, and even before we talked about sex, we did talk about... Um, we never had like little pet names. We always, from a very young age, as long as I can remember, like four or five, it was penis, vagina. These are boy parts and girl parts. I also had from a very young age and knowledge of like, no, the baby is not in mommy's tummy. It's in the uterus. Wow. That's how my mom was. So it was kind of funny. Cena's like, yes, also. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My mom was like, not down. And it was funny because she was like, (laughs) my mom's like, no, sex is great. And I'll make like kind of jokes about it but only with marriage and she's like very that's very her thing but she'll like like when people when my cousins are getting married and we have bridal showers and stuff she's making like dirty jokes and i'm like ew mom like what the the christian community allows it's like don't you dare talk about sex but as soon as there's a ring on it we can talk about the most incredibly (laughs) suggestive things ever with also 60 other women in the room i'm like making eye contact with these old grandmas across and they're giving me like recommendations in the bedroom i'm I'm like (laughs) five minutes ago i wasn't allowed to talk about sex and now you're giving me tips like i don't know how to take in all this well and we also grew up in like it's california christianity so it might be a little bit different so it's like also it's just it was it was always odd to me because it was like no we don't make jokes about sex we don't talk about sex we skip the scenes in movies with sex but like when you're married totally cool um, but yeah, my mom was very medical about it. Like I said, the like the uterus is where the baby is. And when I had the sex explanation, um, and my mom even told me when I asked her when baby where babies came, came from, she was just like, well, she didn't explain it in full detail, but she didn't give me like a dumb stork story or anything yeah. like yeah. that. Um, so yeah, and then I think I looked up the deaf. I was a very curious child, but I never wanted to ask my mom anything. I was always very embarrassed. Um, and I'm still kind of like that. I just want to figure things yeah. out on my own. So I looked up in the dictionary sexual sex. I looked up in the dictionary, dictionary. sex. Can you imagine and then, if you would have had Google when you were <laughs> there? Oh my God, no, that would have been horrible. And then I, it said see sexual intercourse. So I remember going and looking up the definition of sexual intercourse. And I remember it to this day. And I was like, 
what? Like you put the <laughs> insert the insertion of the penis into the vagina, and I was just like, that's weird. But okay, and then I remember thinking about my parents. I'm like, dad puts his penis into mom's vagina, yeah. and I was like, that's just that's weird. I, that's weird. And I and then I in my head I thought that you would just lie there, and I thought a man would just. I thought this up until I was probably 16 or 17 that a man would just put his penis into the vagina and just like hold it there. There are some people that do that. That's, <laughs> there are some lazy is there lovers a term for out that? there. Well, there's like, I can't think of the term, but there is a practice of like laying, of not moving during sex. Oh, I like to do that sometimes. Um, oh. Soaking. Oh. I knew it was called soaking. that. And I was like, that, that sounds too yeah. If you could have an <laughs> orgasm, like if it, sorry guys, this, this podcast, by the way, might get a little TMI. So yeah, if you, if you are a sensitive listener or you don't want it yeah. to get a little crass, I would suggest opting out. Cause we're going to get a little we're graphic, get a little graphic and a little crass when Evans, I'll try to be more medical when his erection is extremely firm <laughs> and he just stays there and then we just both sit. I, those are some of the best orga- orgasms I've ever had. Just don't, you don't move. They've got to be really hard though. Now, funny enough, I have the opposite thing where I kind of like where the person's penis is like sort of kind of soft, like like after they ejaculate and it's in like the first two, this is very descriptive when it's in like the first two inches of like my vagina and it's just kind of there, like kind of just the tip tip, Mm -hmm. or the whole thing, but kind of flaccid. I really like that feeling. I'm a big after ejaculation hangout person yeah yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. when you just like uh, like laying cuddle still yeah sometimes that's so nice yeah yeah Yeah. that's so nice and i actually am a proponent of smaller dicks i'm kind of like into smaller i feel like they hit a better spot for me yeah i feel like with bigger dicks they pass it right on by well is is now our expert here okay is, Wait, we have to like not fully expert like but, tangential but, expert but more than your average person let's let's be real um is it the girth that's more of the issue than the length correct you mean like the the, the benefit the, th- the thickness of the penis is more impactful than the length impactful so if you got a pencil for, d like an orgasm yeah like the feeling is more i would say no really? neither really it's really about the usage. Oh, sorry. It's really about the usage. The motion of the ocean. The what motion of the like? ocean, what's going on in your body, okay. where your cervix sits, how tilted you are. So would that depend on what time of the month? Too? It would depend on, exactly. And like a lot of people experience <gasps> okay. like sex differently throughout their cycle. Um, sometimes it's like more painful. Sometimes it's better from behind because you have a different angle. Right, like, and that's because of the way that your cervix is sitting. Yeah, and it's moving all month, and then also just everyone has different angles, like yes. depending on your hips, depending on, you know, like your body to fat ratio, like all of that, or your muscle to fat ratio, like all of that will affect where your stuff is. Um, so some people are gonna like a smaller, longer dick. Some of them are gonna like a bigger, wider, wow. dick, right? Like, okay. and then your actual vaginal opening is also different depending on. Your well, elasticity. Yeah. I mean, like all these very I technical can, things. Wow. Yeah. I can speak I from experience that, that um, there have been certain men that I've been with where I can't do it from behind because I feel like I am being punched in my cervix repeatedly. Yes. yes. And it is not a good feeling. It's like 
doubled over like oh no. like really painful yeah and hurts. you have to like take in the leave yeah yeah, yeah. no oh, or you're I'm just like, walking around the, the next week look like there's a it's still in there the way that you're walking yeah, but it's not like the memes it's not like the memes where it's like yeah you got dick down so good i'm like no, no. it's, it's like no i didn't i didn't it was like that okay and then also like with girth i i have been with men who are too big for me sure. or i felt that way where or actually it was probably just that they didn't take enough time for foreplay so mm. my vagina was not ready fully enough for them fully prepared for it yeah not even just with like this is something that i've just learned as i got older i don't even know if it has to do with like lube or mm-hmm. um you know how wet you are i think sometimes it has to do even with like emotional openness and we can dive a little deeper into this yeah. but um Zena, you're nodding your head right now I feel like there's. I'm trying times... to look up the technical term for it because oh, I can't okay. remember whether there's actually a technical term for. Um... Yeah, because I'll be wet enough, but I'm still tight. Yes. Yeah. And it's unpleasant. I feel like that. Speaking of speaking of that, in the whole like lube, this is a twofold thing that I feel pretty passionate about. Number one, I feel like, and I feel like you would speak into this well, that there's this weird myth that if you aren't wet you're not turned on that men think that and that creates a lot of weird pressure for a woman that you can't control and i've been in my head about that before too where i'm like so turned on but i'm dry as a bone yeah right when 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 a man goes and puts his hand in your pants and you're not dry and you're like (laughs) and you're like yeah but i'm really not turned on (laughs) so yeah there's that but there's also like this i i've definitely had the feeling where i'm like i want to be wet when somebody touches me yeah you have that pressure yeah i mean so Again, there'd be like a, multi- a multitude of ways that that could happen. Definitely not if you are wet, you're necessarily wanting to have sex. And the other way, right. there are plenty of times when you are, I mean, oftentimes people become more lubricated in the process. So I think um, your point earlier about taking enough time for foreplay and mm-hmm. really making sure, because even if you want to have sex, right, like your body is still going through different processes. I mm-hmm. found the word, it's vagus, vagismus, vagismus, vaginismus, vaginismus. Yeah. Vaginismus. Is that how you? Is that how we say it? Vaginismus. Well, I know the that vaginismus or vag- vagismus. Vagismus. I think it's vagismus. 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 <laughs> um, yeah, vagismus. It would be like when your when your vagina muscles are tightened mm-hmm. and they're not really letting go in a way that would allow mm. you to be penetrated, even if that's like what you're looking for. Interesting. Um, and like you could talk about any digit size here, right? From like a pinky finger to the longest, oh. biggest girth, which is not actually it just won't work. Wow. Um, huh. And it has nothing to do with your physical arousal right. in that instance um it's about like where you connect or if you're connecting with this desire to do this but again that doesn't wow. mean that like i think we we too often like talk about women like we all have the same vaginas and like Absolutely. sex is like, mm-hmm. the same for everyone and it puts a lot of pressure on everyone yes, like you're saying yes. to like be wet in the right way or to have the right amount of like um uh the right amount of energy about it or desire mm-hmm. for it or changing your body in all kinds of ways to make it seem like it's going to be better right. for sex. Um, but everyone is different. So a lot of it's just getting to know yourself. Yeah. Um, a lot of like the, probably the best and most uncomfortable advice and things that I had were being given a dildo when I was really young and talked through and walked through uh, digital masturbation and like finding what works for you in a space that's like very comfortable and mm-hmm. safe and all about you. So, like, you can actually be able to tell that to other people. 
but most young people aren't getting that before they start having sex. Right. Yeah. yeah. The masturbation, at least in my home, was something that was like not. First of all, we didn't talk about it, and then second, you don't do it. Yeah. Sorry, by the way, if there's sounds in the background, there's some construction going on. <laughs> um, that's not some weird thing. Going be like, We're having a sex talk, and also there's an orgy next door. That's there's a dungeon happening. in the bathroom. <laughs> the boys are preparing. We're in a sex shop, and it's wild in here. Um, no, but I, yeah, I wasn't. It was just not talked about, and it was frowned upon. And I remember from a really young age having the desire to masturbate, not knowing what it was. And because it wasn't explained to me, there is there was so much guilt in it. And I just think, oh my God, how free life would have been if I would have, like you're saying, had the ability and opportunity to really explore my own body and not have the pressure put the, put that pressure on my first partner to be like meet all my needs. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like I need to, I, I wish that I would have figured out my body to a certain extent. I feel like it would have really been beneficial. Well, I had the opposite experience where, um, it by myself was way better. And I remember when I first had sex and I was just like, I'd way rather masturbate yeah. than like do this with somebody yes. else. I was yeah. like, this is what the, what the fuck are people <laughs> talking about? Like, this is not that great. And obviously like at that time me and my boyfriend even though we loved each other very much we were both 17 and we really didn't know what we were doing and I I still have trouble communicating to people what I want or what I need I still have trouble knowing what I want or need yeah Mm -hmm. and I certainly didn't know how to do that when I was a teenager well that was one of the questions so we put on our our insta stories throw us throw us some sex questions and you all sent us some amazing questions and one of the most commonly asked questions was how do i communicate to my partner that i'm not enjoying what they're doing without hurt without hurt feelings involved which Um, yeah part of that is just the other person's responsibility to not get hurt when they're receiving feedback is yeah i mean i think this is where we also forget that women are the sexually selective of our species um, just talk a little, little yeah, mic oh, drop on that chills. one, right? Like, um, <laughs> females are sexual selectors. So like a lot of it is that we actually have like a biologic, uh, ability to be the one who picks who we have sex with and remembering that. Cause uh, I think, wow. uh, the patriarchy has done a really good job of making us think that we're all just waiting for a man to put right. a ring on it. But in reality, like our eggs are limited. We are actually, the one who is conserving and creating child or children. And that means that men need us much more than we need them. I men feel have so millions right of sperm. It's insane. They, they, like a dime a dozen, basically. Yeah. Yeah. We are the ones that are like necessary. So <laughs> would this translate into there actually just being biologically fewer compatible partners for women sexually with men than like, yeah. men? Okay. Men, men, like, I mean, if we... Because I feel like I've experienced this and I feel like it's just me where it's like most men I don't, like, yeah. haven't loved having sex with them. No, it's, yep. you're looking for very different things, right? Like, um, and this is like on a very animal behavior, biologic level. And there'd be plenty of people listening to this who are like, we're not animals. Yeah. Whatever, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but if you look at it, like, human development wise, there is... Uh, women are often looking for... Um, the smell of someone who is going to have good DNA, good genetic output. And we can like measure that visually in any number of ways. Right. Okay. But it's not necessarily like who's like the brawniest or toughest or strongest. Yes. Right. It's like 
who smells right to you. Um, this, oh is, this is this like is hitting, hitting home so hard. I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, like, I don't like, for instance, when my husband, he's like, before we have sex, let me shower so I can smell good. I'm like, no, give yeah. me a real mm-hmm. scent. And I'm so much more turned on by him in the morning when he smells like sleep like him and him yeah totally and i'm so into oh yeah (laughs) and there's and then and then the opposite when you're interacting like that's always been like literally you saying that is making me feel so validated because all these other men then that i've then been had sexual relationships with so few there's always that thing where you're like oh it's the smell i don't know there's just something and when you whenever i feel like i'm explaining it i'm always explaining smell yeah. I'm like, I don't know, there's this something he this smells. Thing. And he doesn't smell bad, but like he smells uh-huh. bad to me. It's just not right. It's not like that, like what yeah. you're looking for. Now, my thing is, some of these partners that have had this smell, I'm thinking of two offhand, they were not healthy relationships. Totally. Interesting. And they were not emotionally satisfying relationships, and they were very extreme relationships. But then what do you do if, like, the people that you love, you don't have that with them? If the people that you love, you don't have that smell, you're saying? Like, if well, you don't have that, like, call that... to that. Or, yeah. like, because like, that, that was the thing. A lot of the, the DMs we were getting were from people who it's either their husband or the person that they love that they've been in a long-term relationship with um, that they're saying they're not fulfilling me in the bedroom. Okay. So yeah. what does that look yeah, like? Yeah, and what if they, like, never have? Yeah. Not like never. I mean, like, you know, because yeah. sometimes things like die out and the fire dies. But what if like sure, there was course. never that flame to begin with? Both scenarios. Yeah. I mean, I think there's probably, a, again, I mean, like, I don't mean to just keep saying like there's a million ways that I could break down. Right. Yeah. But like, I think there is something about emotional intimacy also. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and whether or not somebody actually wants that emotional intimacy. I think a lot of times we're in relationships, but we don't necessarily want to have that level of intimacy. Yikes. Oh God. And it's not to say like, it's not for everyone. Right. But like sometimes you don't like, so one of the first things that I learned about sex, um, I was like my mom's sex, my mom's, uh, abstinence talk basically was like women when they strongly connect, Mm -hmm with the partner that they're having sex with and they orgasm release similar hormones that are released during childbirth. My mom told me that too, actually. I and remember that, my mom telling me that. that and was it was sort like a her, cautionary tale. Yeah. It was like, you can get trapped. <laughs> like You can get yeah. hooked on someone basically. Yeah. Cause your body's releasing all of these hormones to be like, this is a person you want to stick with. Um, so like, there's the emotional intimacy side of it that would allow some people to have that orgasm. It's also the fact that some people are going to have those orgasms and then that's what builds your emotional intimacy. So like, I think that's what you're trying, like the, if it dies out, right? Like if you have that in the beginning, but it kind of fades. Um, I mean, I guess I, I would say that having conversations not about sex and not during sex where you're practicing. Mm. I think that's a great tip because I've definitely done that where I've waited and then when we're having I'm like I don't like when you do this and then it's like yeah it's so 45 minutes later and tears or two hours it's so interesting you say that because when I was driving over uh here to record the podcast I I asked Evan about that specific question I was like so let's just say I wasn't enjoying something you were doing in the bedroom uh, or you're not providing in a certain way. Like, how would you like me to best put it? And the first thing he he did is say, uh, "Don't do it while we're having sex." Yeah, 
<laughs> let's have it outside of the bedroom and have that conversation. And I feel like hurt feelings are inevitable, right? You have to know that there's a high likelihood that the person's for a moment's going to have hurt feelings, but totally. I know I don't want to hear it. No, like, course, right. but, yeah. but if, but if you, if you reverse the roles, like here's the thing at the end of the day, if my partner tells me, yo, Jess, you don't, you don't, give oral like I don't like the way that you go down on me I I, I would it would really hurt my I feelings would be I'd be heartbroken because I'd be like wait a second I thought I was so good at this um <laughs> but like 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 award-winning good but like <laughs> but at, it would hurt my feelings but ultimately I would be really grateful because I don't want first of all my partner to not enjoy it and second if I involve myself with another person i would like to grow in my abilities well but that's another thing i think to remember is that different people like different yes, things for sure. i've definitely been in long-term relationships and then i start dating around or sleeping with new people and i'm trying that same thing that <laughs> would just you get like the, the other person technique. off like so hard and they're like what are you don't doing? do that <laughs> are you talking about <laughs> the please pepper don't grinder? grab my butt <laughs> the pepper grinder or please don't grab my balls yeah. like right before i'm about to come and i'm like oh but really uh, not everyone like that yeah <laughs> I think that's like, so, I mean, if you're at the start of a new relationship, that's all like a great conversation to have before, um, before you, before you think about wanting to make it something besides just casual sex, casual sex, I find to be, it's hard to make it good in the, the amount of time that you're having it, right? Like a one or two night stand, like the fun of it is probably what's going to be the most exciting. Yeah, the sto- it's a it's story at the yeah. end. Sure, 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 But, like, sure. if you're trying to transition that into something long-term, then, like, that's a really good time to start talking about what you like or what you don't like before it becomes all tied up with 10 or 20 or however long relationships been going. But, right. I mean, talking about sex is a difficult conversation and, like, any difficult conversation. This is some, like, Harvard negotiation talk for you guys. Um, oh, wait, by the way, you haven't told us what you do and are doing right now <laughs> just do that give us a brief real quick before you go into that i'm currently getting my master's in education and in international education policy with a focus on uh, social emotional learning and young children um at harvard university <laughs> no big deal no big deal and a hashtag university broad i went to california baptist university got my i have still not got, got my, my bachelor's, bachelor's in communications because there was no math involved and it was the easiest one i'm trying to graduate without doing any quantitative or mathematic work yeah bye i might <laughs> You're like yeah no 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 bye 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 can't do that can't do can't do numbers still can't do math or science but sex great with that <laughs> yeah well that's fun so you're saying your harvard negotiation talk so the harvard negotiation um project has been going on for like 50 years whatever they try and solve wars i'm gonna apply it to the bedroom right now this might be novel um it's uh they talk about how in any difficult conversation basically each person has an iceberg and there's uh there's the, the surface that you see that's the facts that's what you think you know you're like this is what's happened before this is all my data other guys have liked how this technique um, I saw this on TV. Cosmo gave me a great breakdown about it. I'm using Lou. You mean the Bible? Cosmo? Yeah. My sex Bible? I looked at a picture of a vagina. I know that there are different parts now, right? Like, that's your data. Right. And then underneath that is your iceberg, and that's your feelings and your identity. So in any difficult conversation, like, when you're getting into something like sex, like, it's it's not just that how you make someone feel, but it's like, what does that mean about you? Like, mm. how does that challenge your identity as a lover, as a caretaker, as someone who is able to give others something that they need um, as somebody who's wow. consentful, yeah. as somebody who really respects other people. And then also like your feelings about that. Like 
does it make you feel insecure? Does it make you feel concerned, vulnerable? All of these things. So like anytime you're having a conversation that's difficult and sex is like probably the most unhad difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. Like people would rather negotiate salary than talk about yeah. what they want in the bedroom with their long-term partner. Do you think that's a cultural thing for us? Like, like, is it maybe... Or more, is that a universal Or is that thing, universal? Yeah. Like, if you go over to Europe, is it going to look different and more open than... I think it depends on where you are. I mean, if you're in France, yeah, it's mm-hmm. going to look way different. And they're... Um, so I lived in France for a year. I was a nanny. And uh, I was amazed because every random bar, every school, everything we went to, there was condom dispensers. Wow. Everywhere. And lube dispensers. Love at all that. of them. Lube yeah. positive broads. I was like, what is happening? Where am wow. I? This glorious land of sex and lube. Which, <laughs> by the way, can I throw that out Swimming there that lube. the use of lube does not diminish you as a woman? Okay, no. can I... I was literally about to say, I think that lube shaming is a real thing. It's a hundred percent thing. And I felt it with myself. Like yes, I shouldn't need lube. It's, it, it really like messed with my brain. I remember the very first bridal shower that I went to, like in the Christian community, my first girlfriend that was getting married, um, I bought her like this jar of lube and I great gave gift. it to her. Yeah. I'm thinking this is great. Right. I got a great, redid my research, got a good brand <laughs> and, uh, and when she opened it, she wasn't being like ungrateful, but she was kind of just like, who do you think I am? Like, I'm not going to need this. I like, like my husband, like we what? have a good, and mm. I, and I, and everyone in the room was kind of looking at me like, do you need to use it? And I felt so shamed. Yeah. And after that, I didn't bring lube into the bedroom for like probably a good year where That's I, it so was really sad. affected my brain. And yeah. then one day I was just like, I'm going to, I'm busting this out. And I'm like, well, this is game changing. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like lube shaming is such a. I mean, the idea, like, I mean, sex shouldn't hurt or be uncomfortable unless you want it to. Mm. Like, you should never, whatever it is that makes your body feel better. And it has nothing to, yeah, there should be no shame around sex at all. But I think that might be cultural. Yeah. And that might be also, like, universal. Like, there's a lot of other places where that same shame happens. Um, Yeah. I'll say the first couple years that I was having sex, virtually every sexual intercourse interaction had some pain in it somewhere even if it was just mild discomfort and I didn't even realize until recently that I had allowed that for my body for so long and I always thought of myself as like a very empowered woman who would like say no and like Mm. wouldn't allow her to be in compromise like I, I wouldn't allow myself to be compromised but then I realized like I allowed myself to be in pain so many times when I didn't want to be because I don't know. I'd start getting dry and I would just tell myself he's going to come like in the next minute. So it doesn't matter, yeah. you know, mm. or I don't really like the way he's fingering me, but like, I'm sure we're going to transition into something else. So, yeah. you know, yeah, totally. Yeah. Ruth does not like hearing me talk about being in pain. <laughs> I don't like talking about it. Really no. it I don't like it, makes, it. It makes myself sad thinking about how I subjected myself to that. Yeah. And I still do that. I, I, yeah, no, I, I am so very grateful um my current sexual partner is he evan is like extremely sensitive in the bedroom it's great and he's if anything like oh my gosh he's gonna kill me if he hears that i'm saying this (laughs) but he literally has a hard time sometimes with period sex for instance because when he sees blood he thinks like he's hurt he he can't get over the fact and i'm like no it's great and he'll do it and it has nothing to do with like him not being into it sexually he's just always like am i hurting you if in any time during our sexual experience i make a grimacing face yeah he struggle like performance wise all of a sudden he's like 
oh, because he thinks he's hurting me. Yeah. Which I live for. I'm like, oh my gosh, you sensitive lover. <laughs> but I'm just like, no, I'm like, I swear to God, when we're having period sex, I promise it doesn't hurt. And he's like, okay, are you sure? <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, no, it doesn't hurt. But I think that with a, 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 a the culture that we live in that is so like dominated by the patriarchy and it's so just like you conquer them. Yeah. Even like, it's just so yes. that weird, Con- yeah. that weird subconscious thing, even if you have these great men that they don't realize that it's kind of this lack of awareness of, is your partner okay? Like, is yeah. she emotionally uh, satisfied in this? Is she physically satisfied yeah. instead yeah. of you just doing, as we like to call the uh, energizer bunny hump. That's just like, no, this is not enjoyable. I've talked to a number of men who also, like if you actually pose the question of like what do you like they don't actually know the answer themselves That's they powerful. have not experimented wow. they have not like really they're like pump and done and maybe that works right like the ejaculation yeah. happens but like does the whole thing feel good yeah like has there never been someone who was too tight for you has it never been that like wow. it wasn't it didn't feel right for you and then you like start to get them to open up a little bit more about it and you realize it's like something that we're all dealing with now do yeah. you think that pornography has affected men in that way like more telling them what they should like yeah yeah is it like has it been a positive thing where they're like oh they're seeing something that switches it up sometimes or is it a negative thing where it's like porn is clearly most of the time focused for a male audience and it just shows what a guy would maybe want like what do you think that that's done to the male psyche I mean, porn in general. I mean, yeah. I think porn is on terrible things. Yeah. Like, um, like sex should be like as quick as possible, as yeah. hard as possible, with no like acknowledgement of the person that you're having sex mm-hmm. with. Like, mm-hmm. I do think that there's a lot of new porn coming out. And that's really exciting. There's a lot more like space for homemade porn, for mm-hmm. um, queer porn, for all different kinds that I think is great yeah. to see more of. Um, but I. I mean, I also think that porn and the way that we see it right now comes from the like male tradition, right? Yeah, so if we didn't right. have porn now, there'd still be some dude telling his son like, "Oh, we'll just close your eyes and pump through it," right? Mm, like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think porn created that. I think the, like this patriarchal idea of what manhood is created mm. that. Well, the, I saw <sighs> what manhood this is. is. So I think that's really powerful. Also, I just I think there's a myth that sexual experiences have to end in some sort of penetration and or orgasm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, I still have a really difficult time rewiring my brain with that. And if we stop sometime during sex and it doesn't end in climax for one or both of us, it feels like some sort of a weird failure. And I get in my head about it, even if it's a consensual ending of the experience. Instead of it kind of being like, that was a great fun while we had it. Exactly. Cool. Interesting. (sighs) Off of the porn, the porn topic too, we did get a question from someone that I found to be so interesting and, um, it was a female listener and she said, I'm straight, but I enjoy, I prefer to watch uh, lesbian porn. Is that strange? And I, my immediate thing, I'm like, absolutely not. If I watch, I'm not a huge pornography watcher, but if I do, I typically prefer that. And I would imagine it's because though a lot of them are meant for men, so that's like kind of over the top or whatever, right. it is typically a more gentle experience when you watch. Yes. Um, so well, you're not seeing violence exactly. committed against women, which is, I think, so much of what mainstream heterosexual pornography is. Right. is well, like Cena was it's saying. It's violent. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, all, it's all like so quick and hard and rough and whatever. And then you have these two women, and a lot of times, though they're, you know, 
turning it up for the camera and a lot of the acknowledged male viewers, it still seems more consensual. Well, and like they're actually coming. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> like you're seeing like yourself represented in some yeah. way where like you're actually yeah. having an orgasm. Yeah. Like there's like way more focus on the breathing and the contractions yeah. and all of that. That's like what your body would be doing instead of just the like, ha, ha. The like hollow slap scream thing that happens. Well, that's another thing that porn taught me at a young age is that I, not even porn, I had this idea in my head before even watching porn. And it was the idea that I had to like perform to please the person that I was with. And I don't even Mm -hmm. know how that originated or where that came from. But I felt like I instinctively knew that from a young age that like I was supposed to perform for my partner. And look hot. Yeah maintain looking hot yeah while having like all your muscles flail around yeah <laughs> oh my gosh the pressure of that one is just like oh i have to be the, the perfect <laughs> yes. position so that you don't see any flaw in my body no rolls oh no my yeah. god yeah. yeah oh no absolutely um well i was gonna say that i on the on the flip side if i am gonna watch porn i only want to watch gay male porn interesting oh okay although i have a theory about this and i've really like tried to unpack it over the years for one my first real sexual experience real pleasurable sexual experience was with my gay boyfriend in high school and i knew he was sleeping with other men and i think there's something about that that was some sort of like weird taboo turn on for me Mm -hmm. but also i think i still have a lot of internalized um internalized like uncomfortableness with female sexuality including my own and other women to the point where even um when i hear other women even friends even people like women i love when i hear them talking about them enjoying their sexual experiences there's some part of me deep down that kind of goes that like winces and like mm. feels like uncomfortable yeah really and sometimes i even feel like uncomfortable with my own pleasure and feel like dirty and I, I didn't realize I felt this way until mm. recently I was always like yeah I was raised this way and I thought this thing but like I still have sex all the time and I still like it and I still have orgasms but like I've been realizing recently how I experience like guilt or feel dirty about my own pleasure mm. and that's I, really powerful and I'm sure that there's other women especially who are raised similarly who experience oh we got a lot of, of DMs yeah. about that too that was the other one that was the most common was how do you deal with specifically my upbringing and the guilt from that and all of a sudden now you know be in a relationship and not have that guilt and enjoy my sexual experience right how do you cope with that even when you don't believe in even if you don't believe in god anymore even if you don't have any religion in your life how do you deal with that i mean the your upbringing is so impactful on how you're gonna see everything like you can't really just get rid of it do you think that it's just a, a therapy like, like yeah, be... well, yeah. Do you have any like? I mean, I think this goes again back to like the intimacy that you're having with the partner that you're mm-hmm. with. So like, if you're, I mean, I think, I think good sex often happens with people who know you, and that does not mean like they have to know you for forever, but can like you can connect with in some way. And so like being able to be open or honest about being insecure or feeling guilty or feeling uncomfortable, like that's like a really powerful connector mm-hmm. in an interaction. Hmm. Um, I can totally see that there'd be like a lot of menzies that would like run 
scared into the woods if you started to talk about like your guilt around sex. Um, but that's also like, again, like feelings. Women bye. are the self-selecting ones, like, yeah. or at least they should be, right? Yeah, like, yeah. so if like homeboy can't handle you talking honestly about period sex or about what porn you like to watch or mm-hmm. about the guilt that you feel in being intimate, then like that's just not a that's just that's a good one to x out. Yeah, like mm. straight up, and there will be someone else, and there will be some other way. I mean. I think exposure and talking about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's like a lot of what therapy is, right? Is, yeah. like, is safe exposure. So talking about it with your friends, talking about it with other people who are in a similar background. I mean, I think therapy is great. I, I'm a big fan of therapy and think everyone should do it. But I also think that there's a lot more power that people have that they don't quite realize. And mm-hmm. it's like if you are open and willing to be vulnerable in more spaces, well, therapy can be like yeah. more profound or like exist more spaces than just a therapist's office. Well, mm-hmm. I think cause sometimes there's double shame because you have yeah. the, sh- you have the, the guilt or the shame of, from your upbringing. And then you have the guilt or the shame for not enjoying what you feel like you're supposed to be enjoying or giving oh, up to that upbringing, right? Like yes. giving into something that you're trying yes, to reject you fe- yourself from. Exactly. Right? Like, you feel guilt. Yes. You feel guilty that that thing still affects you that you feel want to be rid of Mm. and then I think that is where it's powerful to talk to other people about it because then you're like wait I'm not less of a woman because I have trouble orgasming or trouble getting wet or I feel guilty or I cry after sex like I'm not the only one who experiences that I'm not the only one who like it hurts really bad after I have sex and like I and and I don't talk about this often but like I've seen a bunch of different gynecologists because a lot of times sex is really painful afterwards for me. And they said that it was something called vulvodynia and they said it was this or that. And it's like something that just will go away and will just come back up. And I still don't know if it's emotional or physical or what that's about. Um, but it's upsetting. And it's like, I want anybody else who's out there mm-hmm. to know, like you're not any less of a woman if it like Mm-mm. things you know because it's like i'm trying to do all the things like we're doing a lot of foreplay have a lot of lube like i want to have sex with this person and it's still not the way that i feel like it's quote supposed to be Mm -hmm. and like you can't help but feel like less of a woman sometimes when you're supposed to be this juicy sexual being and there's like no space for women sorry no no please please well there's just there's not really like a lot of space for that um kind of camaraderie or like sisterhood or shared storytelling and it and it it's everything from menstruation to um, to sexual intercourse to miscarriages mm. or like mm. does, like endometriosis things like that's like we just don't have yeah. a space to talk about it and a lot of it is because it's like you're deemed as like somehow less of a woman or not a good woman or not a good feminist or not mm. um, you're not doing it right but that that whole myth that there's some right way to be a woman or to be a person that is like probably what we all need to get past in terms of our upbringing is that like there's no right way it's yeah. just you are who you are can I, I get that like put on a shirt <laughs> myself look in the mirror every day like it's okay to be just who I am yeah. and the sex positivity movement while it's great I feel like we only focus on stories about how good it is yeah yeah like I'm sex positive I sleep with guys all the time and I have orgasms all the time and then yeah. there's a the person who's like I can't have multiple orgasms. I have trouble. Right. I've never climaxed. Or like, hey, what about like after having a child? I know for me, like I wasn't, I didn't have any sexual issues that I was aware of until I had my baby. And when she came out, she did all sorts of micro tears in my vagina that still open up when I'm having sex. And now mm. sex was never 
was never painful. And yeah. now like, you know, a lot of women, the, the, the sex game has to shift after they have a baby totally. and that's like, well, and your identity shifts. Yeah. You now have this thing now where you you're a, ch- a mother. Yeah. And it's like, like you're saying what, like with the pornography thing of like, I have to look sexy all the time. And all of a sudden when there's baby spit up all over you <laughs> or you're chasing a kid around all day and then you're supposed to like get all hot for or, your person afterwards it's just like yeah, someone's been sucking feel... on your breast yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly i'm gonna oh my and god not in a sexy way oh, can not we talk way. can we talk about uh breastfeeding and boob sucking lactating in yeah. one second um oh, okay but, but speaking speaking of children okay <laughs> let's talk about swap.com because becca okay straight up how fast is ruthie growing out of her clothes insanely fast and i want to cry every time i see a jumper that she is too big for oh my god it's it's no joke you end up spending so much money on new clothing for them every couple of months on top of the money spent there's the effect all the clothes making the clothes making and the buying has on the environment so in the u.s i hate ugh, i know this, this is so upsetting me. every time the average individual throws away 70 pounds of textiles each year 70 pounds and if everyone dedicated just 10% of their purchases to secondhand clothing, it would have the same impact as taking 1 million cars off the road for a year in terms of emissions reductions. So, Swap.com is the perfect place to help make a difference by purchasing quality inspected secondhand clothing. They have the cutest stuff, and not only for kids, but also for women, men, juniors, maternity. Maternity is great, too, because you're... Yes. done with it within a couple months. Exactly. Thrift shopping has never been more fun or easy. You can use their easy-to-use filters to find the cool, unique items that you're looking for, uh, also your favorite brand or size, and have it shipped right to your door. You can save up to 90% off of retail prices on your favorite brands. I'm talking like Lululemon, Carter's, Nike, J. Crew, Gap. Oh, some of the cutest little girls' clothes I saw from Gap the other day. I have a sweater from Ruthie <laughs> that's also secondhand from Gap. Oh, yeah. it's money. And if something doesn't fit, they have hassle-free returns within 30 days. So today we have a special offer for you broads. Go to swap, swap, swap.com, swap.com <laughs> slash chatty. Once there, you can sign up to get free shipping on your first purchase. Make sure to enter your email address to get the offer. It's a low-risk way to give online thrifting a try. Oh, love it. Um, okay, so I do have to make mention of the breast, the breastfeeding and the 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 tit sucking Mm -hmm. have you had an experience with this yet becca i just no grayson doesn't want to go near my breast because he's afraid milk's gonna come out (laughs) (laughs) have you sprayed him in the face with it yet though no but i should you should when i see him mad i would yeah if evan was being a dick i'd squirt in his face sometimes (laughs) i'd be like i'd wait for my letdown and be like babe come here in the eye i'm like oh i probably fixed your eye infection too you probably have better vision now so ultimately like you know this is for your benefit um yeah that was a weird that was a weird shame thing that i didn't think about when i had uh when after having the baby it's all of a sudden like here your breasts were once these like you know bags of sex you know that you use for yeah yeah, exactly and then all of a sudden they're squirting milk everywhere and your partner is you know looking at them differently which understood it's not their fault but they look great so enjoy them while they look like that yeah (laughs) but then i i know i was in my head every time evan would be up on them after having the baby i would just be like don't let down don't let down don't let down don't let down (laughs) which is so hard because when you let down it's because of um oxytocin right and so you're you get turned on and you let oxytocin (laughs) during sex so yeah yeah but i was just gonna say even the emotional thing of like 
I think there's a cultural thing or just, I don't know, personal experience where it's like mothers are not sexual creatures. Mm. And so sometimes you have that stigma in your head of like mothers are not supposed to be slutty. Mm -hmm. Moms are not supposed to have orgasms. I don't know, which sounds dumb saying it out loud, but I think there's something ingrained in your head of, or even like, I mean, when you have a baby, you're trying to like have sex when you can, when you're in the mood. Like, so if baby's in the room and then you're like seeing your sleeping child and then like, I know for me, one of the first times we tried having sex, I burst into tears because like the baby was in the room and I was just like, this is, I can't, this is, I can't do this. This is weird. And I feel guilty, like taking time for myself, Mm -hmm. even when I feel like I should be doing, I don't know, staring at my baby while she's asleep, (laughs) like adoring her for every second. I don't know. Um, so much head stuff. And I think that's a thing for women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of head stuff. Yeah. We are creatures that like process so much and we have so much going on in our brains that I feel like that is such a, uh, has such an impact on our sex lives. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I know for me that when I'm feeling anxious or struggling in that way, um, trying to have sex is, I mean, I can do it and I can lay there, but trying to have sex in a enjoyable way for myself is nearly impossible because I can't relax. Yep. Um, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that to just not have sex. No. And I, I don't know, again, I know you were raised in a different, in a different environment, but I, I don't know for you, Becca, like I, I felt so much pressure growing up. Like I remember going to summer camp and when they'd have a certain day where they'd split the guys, all the guys would go and they'd have a talk about porn. Don't watch (laughs) porn. And then they'd take the girls and they'd be like, make sure you're a good wife to your husband. Have sex with him when he wants. Have your dinner ready. Like, you know, make sure that he stays faithful because if you don't have sex with him, it's okay. He might, he might cheat on you. And And that'd be your fault. Exactly. And it'll be your fault because you weren't spreading it whenever he was ready. And that really screwed up my brain. Mm. Big time. No, I think I had the same thing. I think that's what I was saying where I would accept situations that weren't comfortable yeah. for me because that was, I mean, saying it's your duty, you you say that and you're like, no, that's some 1950s. I don't think that. But then in actuality, when you're agreeing to do something, when you don't really want to do it, you're feeding into that. Exactly. Into that idea. Exactly. I, I know for me, there was this one guy that I dated for a while that I just was not attracted to. And he was this like over the top, gush of like here are gifts and I want to take you out to dinner and I I felt that pressure and I can tell you for a fact there was not once once in our short relationship that I ever wanted to do anything sexually with him and every time we did it I didn't want to do it Mm. and it's not his fault because he didn't force himself on me but I felt that guilt of like well he just bought me a diamond bracelet (laughs) which is true my god (laughs) and this guy was not a sugar daddy he was a college student with no money so I felt horrible I was like I guess I have to go down on him right now even though I just I didn't want to I wasn't into him in that way and like but but that pressure that I was raised with um just made it so hard to to say no totally the idea that you owe sex to someone for like certain things especially for like basic things i mean diamond bracelets (laughs) we can like have a different conversation about (laughs) like but like basic things right like yeah you know like somebody like being kind to you is like oh well then i i owe you sex like right or like my husband went to work today 
Yes. So I should be prepared to be bedded later. Yeah. And this idea that it like isn't about two individual peoples. It's like this system that's been set up outside of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that exists outside of religion too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah. That's the thing too. Like I always think about it from my perspective um, because of being raised so religious, but yeah, it's a great point that it's like just our culture. It just affects women in that way. It's been however many years until somewhat recently that it was like women stay at home and they're the housewives and they watch the children. So they must be ready and all, always beautiful for their spouse, but also take care of the kids all day and also cook and also be ready to have sex always. And it gets me so mad <laughs> now after having a kid where I'm like, having a kid is so hard. Like mm, yeah. we all deserve awards if you have a child. <laughs> so the idea of being like, I will have my child, will watch my child all day, teach them writing, arithmetic, <laughs> <laughs> bake pies throughout the day when they nap, and then be perfectly gorgeous versus Evan shows up at the house and I have zit cream all over my face in sweats and I'll be like, put the baby to bed and be like, see you in two days, bud. <laughs> Go straight to my, my reality TV shows and eating like candy in bed. Well, I just wanted to say like, we think of self-care as like face masks. And I just want to say like, mm. I think it's an act of self-care to not have sex when you're not feeling it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that it's yeah. an act of resistance when you say no to having sex when you don't feel like it or mm. when you say no in the middle of sex when it's no longer feeling good. Mm. You tell somebody that you, I'm actually, I don't want to actually do this or even, I mean, this one gets a little dicey, but my thing that I realized is men and women, the way we see things are, we women care so much, just generally speaking. If a guy goes down on you and like makes you come, mm-hmm. how often are you just going to roll over and be like, all right, night, bud. <laughs> like said, you know, like I'm done, but the best I don't know. But like, I'm always like, no, okay, for now sure. Now it's yeah. my turn. Yeah. Totally. Just because Mo- you did that. Right. And, how many, I mean, of course we, if you're lucky, you got a keeper who is just all about pleasing you. Yes. But how often have you been with men? If you slept with men where, oh my God. or even your partner who loves you, where you give them a blow job and then they're like, and they fall sweet, asleep. let's go watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. Or they're like, let's go watch a movie. I'm done. And you're like, well, I'm still oh, horny. Wait. And they're like, well, I'm not. I, I'm finished. So, right. Like, <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm, but I'm not turned on anymore. Why would I want to eat you out if I'm not turned on anymore? And it's like, oh, well, that's like also if you have someone who's going down on you, another, like another rule of mine is like, if they aren't going down on you, then again, women are sexually selective. Yes. I like had just had a friend who was like dating this guy and she like wouldn't tell me much about him. She like you know called him by his profession, but they've been dating for like three months. And I was like, like why? What, she's calling him the lawyer, or something yeah. Like that. And I was yeah. like, why are we not like? Why am I not hearing more about this person yet? And she was like, well, <gasps> he won't go down on me. And I was like, oh no, no, game <gasps> over. And she was like, like bye. I, like I was like exiting. I was like, I don't oh. understand. Why are we talking about him? Like who is this? <laughs> like what else does he have? Is he like a genius and he like kneels and brings you food every day? Like Seriously. what is he doing to make up for not doing that? Which by the way, if you don't enjoy someone going down on you, totally fine. Totally fine. If, but you don't, if, it doesn't need to happen if you don't like it. If but you don't but like if it. you want it. If you've tried it and had someone do it well and you feel you don't like it. 
like that's my like that's like yeah. my post yeah oh like, for sure like if you aren't also being brainwashed by our society you should like find it you or no gross for or real icky, rule right? of like, thumb rule of thumb he should try to and if you don't want it you say no but sure. don't uh, he if should he try won't to. if he's not willing Oh, if he talks well, about your vagina, like it's like a, a pimple, I'm very grateful to never have had that experience, but I cannot imagine a man den- uh, denying to go like refusing. Oh, what? I have had that experience. Yeah. Same. Yeah. And but some of them have say? like really quickly gotten out of that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, so I also am, I'm again, queer and I don't do monogamy. So like. Being oh in a relationship gosh, with me is, is like so- an immediate like, well, but if you don't, I absolutely will have somebody else do this. <laughs> like I don't, there's like no, and I like, yeah. like you have no, and there's no pretense. Like if, if I'm not having fun in the bedroom with oh you, my God. I will go do that with somebody else. Yeah. And also like be here for like the birthday parties and whatever. <laughs> yeah. We can have dinner together and Netflix and chill. I'm just gonna like, sounds great. Netflix chill with you and then fuck someone else. Right. Um, so like I've had some people be like, well, then, then you know, like, I don't know, basically postures, like some sort of tantrum about it. I've had mm. people talk about, like, try and give good reasons as to why yeah, they what, don't want to. Yeah, what would to. be a good reason? Like, I don't know if it's sanitary. <gasps> um, I don't know if I'd be very good at it. Okay, well, that's that, probably that's, a that's, big source of it is insecurity. You can yeah. get STDs, like, obviously. Yeah. Um, there's also something <laughs> called dental dam, if you're worried about that. Yeah, Just you're like, here warning you to everyone in the world. <laughs> dental dam, don't use it with lube, but it's great. Um, yeah, um, I've had people agree, like offer to not get blowjobs in exchange. Right, they're like, can we just trade off so I don't have to do this? Oh, they're like, just no oral sex. Yeah. And that's like, really? You'd, you'd, you'd rather never have a blowjob wow. again. <laughs> well, now, I remember when we were trying to preserve our second virginity with one of my boyfriends. We oh, only had oral sex yeah. for a solid, like, ten months. Which still, I think, I've actually, as I've gotten older, I have I want to say this too. If you don't enjoy vaginal penetration, sometimes that's totally fine. And it also might take an experience with somebody else or Mm -hmm. like some sort of like, Mm -hmm. I don't know what else to call it. I was going to call it a come to Jesus moment. I was like, that is not (laughs) what I wanted to say. But those are two words that don't (laughs) in this circumstance. No, but I thought that I didn't like vaginal (laughs) penetration for years. And then I had an like a number of experiences that mm-hmm. then I came to enjoy it and look forward to it. Yeah. But there was definitely a long chunk of time where I'm like, yeah, I could definitely just do oral sex. And like, I'd like right. just that. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here because I'm throwing a number out of thin air, but I've heard though, I guess you can't like technically, technically prove this, but something like 30 plus percent of women can't orgasm without any, clitoral stimulation I more i think it's much more than is that. it much more yeah. than that okay because i saw i actually i thought it was half and half yeah. and then i was reading an article earlier today and they were like that's a large number and i'm like but i that's what i've read everywhere okay okay yeah. so it's more like half it's a lot of women yeah i think it might be even more than exactly half. i would guess more than half i mean there are gonna be i think one thing that is like this conversation is also about people who are sexual Mm. right like and there's like plenty of women and men and all people who are asexual and that's also perfectly yes natural where like you aren't aroused by intimate relationships or you aren't aroused in that Mm. way um so i think like you know for some women like nothing will make you want to orgasm Mm. and that will just happen yeah that's cool too 
But from a lot of women, you need foreplay, you need stimulation, you need kissing, you need saliva, like to pass back and forth between you and someone else. That's like actually a really important. Really? I feel like I need that. No, me too. Sometimes if I'm having a difficulty orgasming, I just learned this through experience where I'm like, wait, kiss me. Like, can you put your mouth on my mouth? Yeah. I need, I need some major making out during saliva releases oxytocin. (gasps) Really? I did not know that. So like it's, I mean, saliva, like the chemicals Mm -hmm. in saliva, that makes a lot of sense. And like, there's not a lot of other instances, right? Where you're like putting someone's saliva on you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, it's not, you're not often ingesting saliva to be like, now I feel better. Well, now but, I'm feeling yeah. validated because there have been times where I'm literally like, we don't even have to be actively kissing. Just like put your mouth yep. on my mouth yeah. and I will be able to climax if your mouth is oh, on my mouth. And if, and if we're having sex and you start making out with me passionately, like I know that I will orgasm mm. much more quickly yeah. that way. Well, that's another lead into a conversation is I think so much, so many people still deal with it. The, anxiety about not being able to come or not being able to come fast enough mm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's just like i don't even know how to go about that one because that is so hard or sometimes you have a partner who i mean i've had this experience where they come really fast so it's just anxiety of like i want to finish before you lose your boner <laughs> right well and also that they all probably have the anxiety anxiety oh, on yeah. the other end right which like, then will make being, them sometimes come faster or like anxious. not come or ever. they go soft sure, sure yeah sure. or like i mean i've i've Talk to people where it's like we can have we'll have like long sex like so it'll it'll become about making me come mm. but like oh basically it means like they've pushed past the point where they're gonna orgasm and so it's just like I get I get all the orgasms I want but they're not going to any longer well and like, sometimes it can be like miserable for both parties yes. though where it just becomes this pressure of where they're tr- they're frustrated because they want to make you orgasm yes they're no longer enjoying themselves yeah. and you're no they longer enjoying face. yourself because exactly. you're just they've trying. got the face that like determined kind of angry <laughs> face and i'm just like i'm not going to orgasm when are your you face yet? looks are you like yet? that are you yeah. coming yet like, <laughs> you look like you're working on me like you're a carpenter and i'm like a block of wood that you're hacking at like i can't i can't do it oh uh, or when oh man this is i'm now having like ptsd i feel like so many people have had so much bad yeah. sex and we don't want to talk about it yeah and i feel like most people have had a lot of bad sex yes. before having good sex yes and it's not like an embarrassment it's no. like you've had bad sex and no. it's like no i mean i waited for a really long time to have sex because i knew about this whole uh developing or the hormone releases from really? orgasms and I really, really wanted to go to college. I was really afraid um, of like being like a statistic and like not making it into college. So I refused to have any sort of sex. And it helped that I had like incredible vaginismus. So like anytime I got close, it was just like really no one was like it was like a Fort Knox. Like it was like wow. shut it down. Um, wow. And I would try like every now and then when I'd get like drunk or something with some guy that was like so cute. Um, and my body was just like, hell no, <laughs> like it's not happening. But this um, is kind of an irony of somebody who, like you're saying, is in a very sex positive family. And then, wow. It meant that I like knew too much. I knew like all the risks, right? Like I was like, I, I don't want to have an STD. I don't want to have, I don't want to have anything happen yeah. because of this thing yes. that once I do, I know I'm going to want more of, and I don't know how I'll control that want. <laughs> So, like, I'm just going to wait until college. Once I know I'm going to college, then I'll just, like, let it go. Hey, well, I mean, you're, in, I you're in Harvard now. So. <laughs> but I, I did let it, it go, did right? Work. I didn't have it. But for the first, um, yeah, like, two years of having sex, and I had sex with a lot of people yeah. in those two years, um, I didn't enjoy any of it. And then the first time I was with somebody who, like, made me orgasm, I was like, oh, 
okay, yeah, this yeah. is why you would keep doing it. It's not just like different people. It's not like the conversation I'm having. It's like mm. there's something happening in this moment and I'll try and replicate that. But mm. then it'll also be continue to be different, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it was I was like sleeping. I was like having a lot of one night stands, right? So there's sure. not a lot of time to workshop. To develop. Right. Yeah. Um, to train. <laughs> to train. But I, yeah. you know, I think it is. like you're tra- like um, It's mutual. It's mutual training. It's mutual training. And like mm. when I was thinking about when you said like I'm going to make you come like how how little power that gives to the person who's orgasm. Oh my God. Right. Like it's about you. Like you're like, I'm going to do this for you. Um, as opposed to like, let me be trained Mm. and how I might help. Right. Like tell me how I can pleasure you. Exactly. Like it's not just doing what they need. It's doing what you want them to need because you want to be that one. Right. You want to make them feel good. You don't want to feel, it's not just about you feeling good about making them feel good. Yeah. Which is, I think mind blowing for a lot of men. And that's another thing for men on their end, they have so much pressure of they should make women orgasm. And I think a lot of men aren't taught that actually no. What I believe is men have to create a space for women to be able to orgasm in. It's different. Women, I believe we can make men orgasm. I don't think men can make, we they have to create a comfortable space, a comfortable environment be safe enough for you to open up to them in, in -hmm. order to be able to enjoy yourself for the most part. And we're also only talking about heterosexual sex. Yeah. I think with all people, it's also like everyone just needs to listen. And I think you said something about like, um, lesbian sex being more sensitive. Mm -hmm. Um, but I I also like, so in my experience with women, I just think that there's an immediate listening that happens differently. (laughs) Um, and it's not always, yeah. Um, but it's not like it's it's, a, but it's not a uniformity. Mm-hmm. But it's just like more often because you're, the assumption is that there's not this way that it's being done. Mm. Um, and I yes. like talked to gay men about this also that like when you're when you're figuring out something that's not presented throughout all society as like, you know, peg into hole. Yes. When you have to like figure out what it yes. is that you like and what the other person wants, yes. you have Very to have that conversation. Yeah. And so like it just starts it off. Whereas mm-hmm. like. I think in a lot of heterosexual sexual encounters, you're just like, we know. And it's boring. Mm-hmm. That's when it becomes boring and stale and flat. And I've grappled it with myself. How do we get out of that? And I've literally fantasized of like, man, what if I lived in this culture however long ago where we didn't talk about sex and where I knew nothing about it? And then we have to get married to somebody and then you have to figure it out between two people and you don't have the internet and you don't have porn. <laughs> and I fantasize about that. I'm like, wow, that would just be about genuinely, oh, yeah. purely figuring you out how like, to make the other person feel when, good. When like, it's like 6 p.m. and dark outside and you don't have anything to do, so you just like learn each other's bodies all You're night. Like, let's, <laughs> turn on the, let's turn on the oil lamp and like see what this body part is. Like, this is the sexiest arranged marriage I've ever had. <laughs> So you're like, uh, this is like maybe like two like, percent yeah, of them. Got I know that, that you guys have your fantasies about like the ancient of days, but don't like probably it didn't look like that. No, it's more like two children that were raised on an island where there was yeah, where they okay. were where, there they, where there wasn't yeah. civilization. What's that, what's or that a one culture? movie? I used to always just see half of it on like TNT. Uh, Swiss Family Robinson. No, there was a movie. It was just a guy and a girl that got stranded on the beach like and like Gilligan's he, Island. No, he started to notice that she was like growing breasts and then they start having this like weird sexual interaction together and then they start like touching each other and I remember watching it like on 
it was like TNT or something, and my when my parents wouldn't be watching, and I'd be so I'd be maybe ten years old and just be panting watching it, just like oh my god. Oh my god. But they were alone on an island, so both obviously what, gorgeous people. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. Is yeah. like if you had no civilization, nobody yeah. telling you the way it's supposed to be, and you're just. That's the thing we're missing out on. I feel is true discovery. Mm. Yeah, and how do you cultivate an environment and a relationship where you can have true sexual discovery between people? This is an open question. If anyone has any ideas on how to cultivate that, because I don't. But <sighs> that's the the movie that you're reminding me. Just like or that you're just talking about reminds me of Little Children. So I work in early childhood. I work with like zero to five, and three to four year olds are like just figuring out this whole abstraction thought. Mm. Like they're like they're not their parent. They're able to detach themselves and which means that they have all kinds of questions about who they're going to be and what they want to be right. and all these categories but they also wonder about other people and so like as a preschool teacher i've seen countless children go through the like, same exact process of being like oh, oh shit if i'm a girl it means like you have a penis <laughs> like what's up dude like let me see that penis like the little girls Drop are like trowel <laughs> And the little girls are like masturbating on their their mats at nap time. Like oh, they're yeah. all totally mm-hmm. getting freaky. Yeah. In this like very like innocent, Pure. like what is happening? Just I remember I have yeah. like very distinct memories of going into my little sleeping bag at daycare and like caterpillaring up and like going to town on myself yeah. and being like, What's this about? And this then you're taught And then the bad. teacher would kinda like like kind of kick me with her heel because we like <laughs> making this like humping thing in my caterpillar sack and she'd be like Jessica stop it <laughs> but, but it's so true there's like yeah there's that freedom so interesting just uninhibited without and then we stamp it out really so that's what I've been curious about and I kind of brought this up earlier and this is definitely part of a much larger conversation but I've been curious about that having a child and I've always wondered this being a caretaker of children and what um I've kind of done with children young children like that if they're touching themselves or doing Mm -hmm. something I've just you know gently said like you know hey you can do that in the privacy of your own room but like we don't we don't touch our we don't touch our our private parts Mm -hmm. you know in public or like you know we don't tell other people to touch our body parts like because you know if if you have the little kids that are like their siblings and are like humping their other person's face, which like I, you know, like the little yeah, boys are sure, sticking their junk course. in their sister or brother's face, and you're like, okay, no, <laughs> like we're not going to allow that to happen. Yeah. But like, how do you provide a safe space for children to like, you know, make innocent childhood sexual discovery? But then also like, there are it, it can easily dive into areas that are not so great when you have non-consensual stuff between even young children or slightly older children or male children and their female sisters and female sisters as opposed to male sisters um you know but like there can be boundaries that are crossed so how do you how do you approach that with your kids how do you talk about that with your kids like you know how do you tell them that like it's okay to I don't know. Like, I don't want to tell my child it's okay to touch other people's private parts, but then like, or, and and I don't even know if I would feel comfortable being like, as long as you both say it's okay, like you can explore each other's body. Like, I don't know. There's something that feels weird about that to me. Like, how do you, like you studying what you study, how would you approach it with your children? Mm -hmm. So maybe rather instead of giving advice, how do you intend to talk to your children about that kind of thing? 
at uh, those ages. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, please help. <laughs> I think I'm probably going to do what my, my mom did to be honest. I was actually thinking about when you were asking, like, how did you first have the conversation? Um, so my mom had a book. It was like a cartoon book called how animals do it. Cute. That I read when I was like four or three, like really young. Um, and so it talks you through all these different animals, like slugs and seahorses and dogs and cats and the barbs and all of that. Right. Like, so there were some animals where I was like, that sounds horrible and terrifying. And there are other animals where I was like, that's really pretty and cute kind of like, I kind (laughs) of like that one. Um, and then we talked about that, like that very concept of like that. There's all these different types of sex. There's all these different ways to have sex. Mm -hmm. There's sex that's for fun. There's sex that's for procreation. And there should always be like your choice within that. And did you know at that age what that like you knew what sex was at like that at four? Like when animals do it. Oh yeah. Or... So the animals do it, they have cartoon they have illustrations okay. of animals having sex. Okay. Yeah. Um So you knew like boys put their penises in girls' okay. And yeah, penises go in vaginas. Um and yeah, I mean so I think the conversation was largely about understanding that it's like a natural thing that all all species do Mm -hmm. that's like completely necessary for for life to Mm -hmm. continue and it's like beautiful and it also can just be for fun sometimes people just do it casually but that it should always be there should always be consent from both parties within it and that um there's actually just a period of time where you can't give consent there are times where consent doesn't happen so if you are in a if you are younger than somebody else Mm -hmm. by a lot like you can't give consent that's not that's not actually consent. Mm-hmm. If you if they're in a position of power, if they're a teacher, if they're somebody, if they're an adult, mm-hmm. you can't give consent. Um, or someone who's taking care of you. Exactly. And a so babysitter. like babysitter. Yeah. Um and so there was like a really big thing in our household just to have the space where children could say, like, I don't like how you're touching me mm. and I want you to stop touching me. And it does mean that like um, so like my nieces are being raised the same way, right? And there's so there's sometimes we're like, I want a hug for my niece, and she's like, I don't want to touch you right now like that. Mm. And I'm like, okay. And it's in those yeah. moments that I realize how how much claim we think we have to children, like because all of a sudden I'm like, you know, like I like I'm like, what do you mean, child? But I Give want me a hug. Like, yeah. I came here to see you. Give me a hug, yeah. like you know. And I like try and trick her. Mm-hmm. Be like, oh well, I don't even want a hug then, you know. I'm like, mm-hmm. and I'm like oh, glad that she's like, you do want a hug, but I don't want to give you one right now, and that's wow. okay. Um, and I, so like just realizing like wow. as adults, we so rarely, we so often like dismiss children um, as autonomous beings who don't belong to you, who are adults in our society, just in like their smaller, less developed form, who need a lot of care but also need a lot of room to explore and discover and who will, will make mistakes. And what is really important is that they feel comfortable coming to you when they make mistakes um, and, and taking responsibility for them. So like you have to have a community or a space where children feel comfortable talking about something like sex. Mm. If you are ever going to take care of them in the instance where something goes wrong, like in the most protective sense, but also like if they're going to figure it out themselves. Yeah. Wow. What is a way to not react? Like if, if you, if you can give an example of that, like, let's say I actually know of someone distantly who this happened where, um, their daughter came to them. She's, I want to say eight or nine. And she said, um, my friend told me to lick her in her private parts. And the mom kind of was like, 
what? You know, they're like eight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's quite possible, just giving the whole scenario, that the child that was doing this was had some sort of sexual, like, abuse happen to them. Yeah. Um, so, like, how would you, how do you, re- how do you not react as a parent? Like, if your child's That's telling you question. something like that. Yeah, I mean, so this is, like, where I get tricky again with, like, history. Like, childhood as we frame it has only existed for 80 mm. years, right? Like, 100 years ago like, assumably, you're ready for sexual interactions, like, at a point when your body says so, right? And so for some children, that's really <sighs> early. about that, yeah. And it doesn't mean that, like, we can't say that there's a lot around your ability to give consent or to your make choices. Your innocence, quote. Your yeah. in, well, like, just your, your cognitive functional skills that might mean that you're not ready to do that. But I think having that conversation. So I think um, not reacting with, a shutdown, not saying no, not norm, not putting a norm on it and saying like, that's bad or that's good, mm-hmm. but actually like asking questions, trying to understand how your child feels about it. Um, if they feel comfortable with it, if they felt afraid, if they felt nervous yeah. and giving mm-hmm. them that space to really like feel like it's safe to be heard and how they feel about that. Um, asking them what they would like to do next, hmm. asking your child like so much more often, ask your child what they want. Um, and you'll find that they really often tell you what they want. And sometimes it's ridiculous and it's like a million ponies, <laughs> but like sometimes it's like, I want yeah. to not hang out with her right now mm. or I want to still be her friend. And you're like, okay. So then, and then brainstorm with your child. But I think, um, imposing any of your opinion on them is always going to have some sort of negative consequences at if, some point. What right? if they, what if they want it and they like it? And that's something that's, hard for me to grapple with as an adult where I'm like, I don't want my eight year old child and their friend like touching each other like that. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Is that, is that, is that bad or not, not for develop, like from a, just a developmental standpoint, not any kind of moral. Developmentally is tricky. I can't say that like okay. with any sort of accuracy because we've literally never even tried to do something like study children yeah, <laughs> having right. consensual sexual right. interactions. Right. Um, I think <laughs> that's very problematic. That's definitely yeah. not <laughs> in a book <laughs> that we're writing. Um, I think that it. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is where like having a conversation about what the purposes of sex are and mm-hmm. and how to have it. Um, I mean, I find it. It's something that I also have never encountered. I've never encountered uh, children intentionally choosing after a conversation about the potential consequences mm. of sexual interaction at that age, at any age, wanting to continue to have sex, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, like, mm. you were saying, like, it's funny that I grew up in a super sex-positive household and I didn't want to yeah. have sex for so long. But, like, I knew every potential risk factor of sex, whether it was emotional yeah. or physical yeah. or disease or anything. Like, I saw people's faces falling apart from syphilis like <laughs> i yeah, knew seriously bring every, that lunchbox to school kids i knew every <laughs> terrible possible thing about sex yeah um that didn't like make it not wonderful and beautiful but also made it so i like i understood that i wasn't ready for it yeah you knew the gravity but, of that, it. but that could be a personality thing because there's also kids that learn that way about drugs about all the potential bad things and how like people die you know and then they're more curious mm-hmm. about it because they're like, oh, well, this is still something that's supposed to feel good. So, you know. Totally. But then have the conversation about how it does oh, right. feel yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like the whole conversation. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. don't dare sex. Right. Like talk yeah. about all yeah. of the parts that are like fun or good or exciting or make babies or why people do it. Like 
children should understand why people make that choice, mm-hmm. especially if they're exploring themselves. Because mm-hmm. otherwise, like, they're like, well, am I this, like, freak person who likes it mm-hmm. and nobody else would like it? Why would yeah. I like it if it's mm-hmm. bad? Yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I have a... I don't know the answer to, to that that inquiry yeah. um, other than, I think, giving your children space. And um, maybe if if you're scared for them, that's a good place for them to, to interact in some sort of collective or individual therapy. Yeah. Um, with somebody who's more trained than I am. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, thank you. That's, like, really, really helpful for me because I've been trying to process with my, my daughter's three, so I'm kind of, like, hitting that point where in her interactions with some of her classmates at her daycare, I'm like, okay, like, I need to start really figuring out how I'm going to approach this with my child because, to be completely honest, like, though my parents were never, like, hard-hitting about, like, they always said, you know, sex is beautiful and wonderful in the bounds of marriage, like, did that whole thing, but I did not, I'm, I'm so, so, so very grateful that I was never in a situation where someone was going to take advantage of me because to be completely honest with you, I don't think I would have been instructed in the way to know how to say no to an authority figure. So my heart breaks for people who are put in that situation who didn't have the ability to say no because they weren't raised with that option, things that you're talking about where you have that freedom. So such a good reminder for me to make that so clear to my daughter. Um, yeah. So got to do a quick ad here and then I have a maybe a fun question to kind of wrap it up. Okay. I don't know if you say fun, but like more I want, fun than eight-year-old I want, sex. Yeah, <laughs> maybe more fun than that. Yeah, sorry, sorry to take it there. It's just something that no, I has think occupied I'm, a lot of my I'm, mental I'm so, space. I'm so like thankful that we talked about it because it's literally something that I've been, uh, yeah, I've been processing lately yeah. too. Yeah. And I'm like, I need, yeah. Well, and you want to protect your children and you want to protect people you love, but you yeah. don't want to create any kind of like stifling environment mm-hmm. and, and it's tricky if you know that there are certain ways that you were brought up that you don't want to repeat, but you don't know how to deviate from that safely. It's just very tricky. So mm-hmm. sorry if that was a little bit, we should definitely put a trigger warning at the beginning of yeah. this. Um, but yeah, hopefully that was something that was helpful for other people. It was helpful for me. So <laughs> speaking of helpful... <laughs> I think I'm trying to figure out how I can segue into everything ever. Speaking yeah. of helpful. Yeah, guys, this is an ad. It's not going to have a good segue from <laughs> from that. From explaining but, sex to children. But, <laughs> oh god. Um but let's talk let's talk about OpenFit. Okay. OpenFit's an online streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your own living room or hotel room if you're traveling in as little as 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes a day. You're speaking directly to my soul, Becca. <laughs> you can access it anytime, anywhere from your computer, web-enabled TV, tablet, smartphone, or Roku, a.k.a. I can do an Extend Bar workout class led by the founder of Extend Bar herself while my kiddo takes a nap. OpenFit has so many different workout videos and variations of classes because they understand that everyone's bodies are completely different. Yeah, OpenFit can change the way you work out, and with our code CHATTY, you can join us on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use the code CHATTY and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Yes, 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 yes. Join us on a fitness journey because Becca and I are probably going to Mexico if we can get our children passports. (laughs) Um, That's the one caveat. Um, But if we are, I'm planning on drinking 10,000 margaritas and would like to not feel quite as guilty, so I'm going to do a little bit of some OpenFit exercises. Uh, So right now, during the OpenFit, 30-day challenge our listeners can get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to open 
membership to OpenFit where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days if that's what you want or if you're just trying to get that healthier lifestyle on when you text chatty to 303030 that's 303030 you'll get full access to OpenFit all the workouts and nutrition information totally free again just text chatty to 303030 standard message and data rates may apply. Yeah, and physical activity makes you feel so much. I've finally started incorporating exercise yeah. into my routine again, and it, I feel I feel so good. You're inspiring me. I want to get those that blood pump and those endorphins rushing. It makes me want to do other things throughout the rest of the day. Yeah. Like when I work out, then I'm like, oh, like it, even stupid stuff. Like, oh, I'm gonna finish my taxes now. <laughs> like I'm gonna go grocery shopping. I just I'm kicked like, ass in the gym and a kick <laughs> ass on my taxes. Oh yeah, no, I totally get that. The few times that I do it, I feel that way. Um, so, okay. So let's, let's do it again. I don't know if this is like a fun one, but it's, <laughs> it's interesting to me because I'm, I'm interested from the, the more clinical side of it. Yeah. We got a lot of questions. Anal question mark. Everyone anal, 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 anal. People want to talk about anal. I love talking about anal. You love talking about anal. <laughs> Why do. don't you give us our, your little yeah. anal spiel? Um, I think I always, uh, I love, I like to unpack like with my psyche of why I am the way I am with certain things. But for me, I think like no one ever really talks about anal, like in the church or in sex. And it is sort of like still a taboo thing and just kind of like this mysterious thing that is the other hole. (laughs) The other hole. (laughs) I hate that name for it. Um, But so I think I, from the get go, always felt more comfortable with it. I was Mm -hmm. like. God's not going to hate me for this. My mom never talked about this and I don't really ever see this that much, Yeah, but I all, I felt really, I, I remember always, I remember the first time doing anal and I was like, I like this so much better than regular sex is how I felt. I was like, Oh wait, this feels good. And it was after I'd lost my virginity and yeah, I remember the first time I tried anal and we'd had a glass of wine and like tried it. In the- no, actually, we were really drunk. And, um, but it was definitely consensual. It was with my boyfriend, my very loving boyfriend. And, uh, and yeah, we tried it in the bathtub because, you know, you have all these misconceptions. I think they're misconceptions that it's going to be this disgusting, just messy thing and <laughs> shit's going to go everywhere. You yeah. hear all these crazy horror stories. That's really never happened to me, but... Anyway, I, it felt really good and I really liked it. And it felt like it was so, it's stimulating. It felt like it stimulated so many more like nerves and had so much more like feeling for me than vaginal sex did at the time. That's amazing. It is. Are and you, so. are you a fan? I have never tried it. <gasps> I'm not going to lie. I really? haven't. Yeah. Okay. Why? Is there a reason why? Is there a clinical reason why? No, there's, I mean, there's like clinical there's like some concerns, yes. Um, like what with hemorrhoids or something like that? With hemorrhoids, with how deep someone penetrates you. <sighs> um, yeah, I mean, like with tearing. There, there are all kinds of things. Well, so like, so in that Tell story, us the there's, in that story, there's the, the moment that you were like, we were drunk. I was like, oh, okay, okay, because like you, you need your asshole to your anus. What, what, what do you want to call know it? The other hole. <laughs> you have two. I do know this. You have two sphincter muscles. Yes. So you need them yep. to relax in well, order have, for it to be. You have one that you can clench or unclench, but there's actually a sphincter muscle inside that you cannot control. So you actually have to be emotionally and mentally okay with what's yes. happening. Otherwise, it will be clenched and it will be painful. Yes. 
I didn't know. But that. also, so that's it helps another to thing. be. It helps to be intoxicated. Helps me drunk, it helps and I was also excited other... for it. Yeah. I was the one who was asking him to yeah. do it, so I was emotionally and mentally comfortable. So. I'm a little shook that you were in the bathtub because I know for me, water feels like the opposite of lube. So. No, yeah. we weren't. The bathtub was empty. It was just like oh, a precaution. You like wash down quick. <laughs> Like spray you down. You're like at the this is gonna after. be real messy, so we might as well just start it off in the bathtub. But yeah. Oh, I thought it was full of water. I was like, damn, no. girl, out. No, okay. I was like, we're gonna take a shower and wash up after. So like, let's do it in the bathtub. Yeah. Okay. The empty bathtub. Wowzers. Yeah. I love I love the prep work involved, even through your drunkenness. Well, yeah, but I mean, like that sounds like you were really yeah, you wanted that ready for it and down for it. I wanted that. I wanted it. <laughs> so you've never done. Okay, so I've I've tried. I've told you this that, before. That inner sphincter was probably not. No, the, loose. there's another problem. Oh, okay. I love to talk about this. I don't know why. <laughs> I have an anal fissure, Ooh. and I've had it since I was a baby. Wait, wow. that sounds very painful. It is. Yeah. So on my rectum, there's a tiny tear that, since I was little, it has been there, and it won't fully ever go away. So like, it'll be healed for like it'll be it'll be repaired for a while, but. One little escapade with anal or, sorry, TMI, but a restroom situation, and it's bleeding. So for me, I've tried it, and I'm like, okay, I really want to try it. I really want to try it. And it immediately opens, and I'm like, well, this is the most painful thing that's ever (gasps) happened to me ever. But I did, I have felt a level of, like, embarrassment because I, maybe this is my, like, need to be flashy mentality but i want to be the one who's like the freaky girl the yeah yeah, yeah, knows yeah. All i want to be like nope, honey I get it. anal is the only thing i do like kind of just be like that no type it definitely of like, feels like a proud thing for me and it felt like it compensated for me not for a long time and still sometimes not liking vaginal sex yeah so yeah. it felt like a thing for me where I'm like, well, I do like anal. Yeah, I wanted to be like, I wanted to show up at the sex shop and be like, you got any beads? And be like that person who's like so like sexpertise, you know. But it just got doesn't any, work got for any me. beads? <laughs> it doesn't work for me. That sounds like a sexpert indeed. <laughs> show me the beads. No, they're not for wearing. They're for, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Wait, so why, so, so go into your reasons, go into the, I don't really have any reasons. It's just never actually like, you just don't have interest in it. Yeah, I I don't. Um, I mean like I have done butt play with men who like wanted it. Mm, Um, and I'm like happy to be that partner with your (laughs) asshole. Um, but no, I don't know. I, it just is like never been for me personally. So like, so I, I don't have any like clinical reasons against it. Okay. I think like it's really important that you are really relaxed and comfortable. And this is like maybe the one situation when it comes to sex that I'd be like, have a drink or two. Like if you've thought about it, if you've made a choice, if you want right. to do it, get as relaxed still, as possible. Get relaxed. Yeah. Like, so women don't do not. I mean, as or men, anyone, anyone do not feel pressure to no. do this no this or might be try it even like yeah don't don't, don't feel it. like you need to try it like this is not something that i feel like it is one of those things that uh 
you know, like I was saying before, I like wanted to wear this crown of like, I can do it and I can't. So I don't have that option. So don't feel, the, but don't feel the pressure. But I also do tell everyone to try it. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I also like, tell everyone, great. I'm like, but you might love it and you For don't sure. know it yet. Especially so with down. men. I cannot count the number. I can count. It's not that many. <laughs> but like, there's plenty of men who are like, no, don't touch my butt. That's gay. Well, yeah, guys yeah. are like, so wigged and out. Then, Super wigged up. And then play. you're you know, giving them a blowjob or something and they allow you to put a finger Slip in inch, yeah. and then they're like, yeah. And then you can tell that they're having like the best orgasm ever. And you're like, yeah, told yeah. you, you have a prostate. Yeah. So. There's plenty of reason to, to experiment. And I think that's also the thing is like, we say anal, but like, there's like lots of levels to butt play, yes. right? Like, yes. There's like all different kinds. Isn't so like h- hilarious how now we have the, the, um, what is it? I can't think of what it's called besides just at like, what is it called when you lick someone's butthole? Rimming? Yeah, but is there... Is that what it's called? I don't know a technical term for it. I no, could I be very wrong either. in no, the rimming term. No, rimming is, is, is correct, yeah. Okay. But whatever we, what we call... Eating inco- Yeah, okay, yes, that's what I was That's what I was looking for. It's funny how that's suddenly... I just wanted to make yeah. a side note. Isn't that funny how it's become such a culturally yeah. acceptable thing over the past couple of years? And like a few, yeah, like maybe 10 years ago, it'd be like, no, we ain't talking Ew. about that. No, yeah. definitely not speaking no. about it. That was like the, the, the voyeurs. And now like that. eating ass is like the, the thing. Yeah, the go-to. The thing. Yeah. Yeah. Times what are changing, with- sex is fluid. <laughs> I don't feel like I've been on Tinder in like a long enough amount of time to know what's happening in the That's sex. That's true. Room. I've well, never like been there's able songs to about. Oh yeah, licking buttholes, eating the cake. <laughs> Ew. Oh yeah. Oh god. Ta- tossing Dude. the salad. That's the term you're maybe thinking of. <clears throat> tossing. <clears throat> Yeah, that's that is tossing the salad. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you never heard different. that? I thought it was a different thing. What did you think it was? I thought it was like teabagging. No. What is that? Teabagging is is the the balls, balls on the, the eyes oh. or the face, forehead, <laughs> eyes, <laughs> mouth. I thought. Oh yeah, huh? Like uh, dipping their balls in your mouth? Yeah, and then you put it. It's actually it's great. You should it's try it. At at all. Wait, yeah. forehead? Wait, I what? Just around. It's nice to just you have said, it all over. You said. Put the balls on your eyes. <laughs> you I like them over my eyes like cucumbers. It's very much of like a facial, <laughs> like a relaxing facial. <laughs> what? I love that. I'm not like. I mean, I, you're right. It's in the it's it's the mouth, and I I, I always like enjoy the, the the full like when you're 69 because like that. I've had that kind of scenario where then the person puts their balls in your mouth or like more intentional. But this is more intentional. Of this is like you're laying back like this. And then there's someone they're standing right here, right here for me, right here. Your eyes. <laughs> oh my God, poor Evan's gonna come in to clean up all of our equipment, and you're just gonna be like, Ugh. I'm just gonna be like, your shorts are very short today, Evan. <laughs> and I'm just Do you gonna stand. You can over see here. a lot of leg. <laughs> oh man. Anyways, on that note, um, Kate, straight up, you are my favorite guest we've ever had. <laughs> Thank you so much. This Nina. was amazing. Oh my goodness. I'm so glad I wrangled her on. I, <laughs> I know. Just like, my so one grateful. day in LA. Yeah, I was like, Zena, we've, I don't really know you that well, but I think you'd be great on I'm podcast. so, so stoked. We have to Thank do this again. We need to do a part two. We had a, yes. a ton of great questions. There's and this so, is so fun. This is, it's sex what is endless. makes yeah. the world go around. Literally. I mean, the reason yeah. we're all here. Real, truth. Truth. Um, so we have to do this again. Even if we like have to zoom you in, uh, <laughs> Seriously. I'd be so down. I'm, no- I'm normally, normally not down to do the zooming, which is the no, audio like 
But for you, I would be totally good. But also talking about like polyamory and talking about yes, like boundaries I would love to chat and about talking polyamory. about, yeah. Yeah. I talk oh. a lot about that. We can chat on that one. Great. Yes. Okay. We're going to do, you guys, don't worry. Another one is coming. Another one. Mm, Another one is coming. <laughs> All right, Brats. Thank you for Hashtag tuning Brad's in. Hashtag coming. Yeah. Hashtag Brats coming. There we go. Oh, my. Yeah. We'll go to the drawing board for this one. We're going to come up with a clever, a a clever hashtag. This will be, this will be on the mug someday. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Anyway, thank you guys so much for um, tuning in. Thank Hope you, Zena. It wasn't uh, too much for too offensive. Yes. Sensitive so, sorry about the teabagging. And we, war- <laughs> we warned you. We warned you at the beginning. Be, being vulnerable guys. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> well, bye. talk to you later. Chat soon, Brads. Bye.